0: have accessed Entry 949.JE4817. Certificate number 30889. Cynthia
1: Plaster Caster. So when I joined you down in California last year, late last year, uh, when you were at your Jeopardy GOAT tournament. Yeah. It was a great pleasure, I have to say, for me. Thanks for coming. Uh, to have been there to see the triumph.
0: You just wanted to get your Delta medallion status.
1: The excitement in the audience, the the, the palpable tension, riveting entertainment. They were going to put it on TV. You didn't have to go see it in person. It was, an, it was amazing, incredible experience. And one of the best things about it was I got to see some of that behind-the-scenes, that hot behind-the-scenes Jeopardy action. What did you get to see? Well, I learned a few things, a bit, you know, particularly in the seating area, um, the family side of the—the uh, the, the room is divided in half, the, the, the bleachers— uh, when I was there, one half of the bleachers were taken up by industry execs and people who worked for the various studios. It was
0: Sony and ABC suits over
1: on Total, stage just, left. They were all right. sequestered over there together um, with their Coke spoons and their and their expense accounts and their slick suits. And then over on, on um, what would have been stage left yeah. was the family and friends area. And I realized that the people competing in the contest are, um, are represented by various groups of friends and family who are not necessarily friends and family with each other in the stadium. Well, wouldn't that be – oh, I see. So we're sitting next to each other. We're all, inter- we're all, you know, presumably a group. But there's a lot of kind of hissing and um, scratching, a lot of fingernails out. You're saying you weren't f- you weren't
0: friends with the other people i invited or that you were actu- actively a rival against the other contestants'
1: well, friends? Well, so I walked in just, like, thinking, hey, we're all just here to watch Ken Jennings win. And then realized, of course, that the people sitting next to me were two, James's two family. Two-thirds
0: of the guests did not want me to win.
1: And work. so, I, you know, every time you would win something, I'd turn to the person next to me and go, well, the person next to me was my guest. But the person on the other side of the person next to me... I would say, isn't he something? Yeah, I know him. That guy. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm. I'm from Seattle. And even you were only mildly into me. You would have been fine yeah. with any of the three winning. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. The, I think Brad is kind of the hot one of the three. He's he pretty looks cute. Good.
0: I was at the, my dentist yesterday getting my teeth cleaned, and the hygienist said, "Hey, just so you know, we were all really rooting for you back in January." And I said, well, I hope so. Like, do do the other two come here also? You're my dentist. Why would this office, why would my dentist's office be rooting for one of the other two guys? They have their own dentists.
1: But I I did, it hadn't occurred to me that there would have been this kind of tension in the room. And then in uh, uh, comparing notes with your wife, Mindy, uh, she said that during the time that she would go down, back in the day when she was still interested in (laughs) you— Uh, she would go down to the tapings when you were in in the initial contests, and she felt like there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of tension between the between the families up there in the crowd. Normally, there is
0: not on any given day. It's just a bunch of randos who got off a bus, and their their moms and and boyfriends and whatnot are there. Uh,
1: but then they're only there for an hour, and yeah, then they go home. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: there's not usually an enemy, right? But when I was on, pretty much everybody. Nobody but me wanted me to win. You right. know? Like there's a room full of people hoping I lose, so that was rough on Mindy. She got singled out.
1: That's kind of like here in the studio, like when we record the show. Yeah, a room full of people, uh, and everyone <laughs> in it wants you to lose except for you. Well, but uh, but the 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 thing that I was most interested to discover in talking to Buzzy Cohen, your uh, Jesse friend, or your Jeopardy friend, and now your, your Jesse friend, Jesse friend, is that what you call Jewish folks? <laughs> <laughs> He's a Jesse, right? Isn't that what we say? <laughs> no, I was that, that was uh, that was a little bit of a hat tip to my guest. Actually, I got it. I got it on my mind. No, um, Buzzy started to regale me with stories about the game show groupies. <laughs> There's a game show called Groupies. Well, no,
0: <laughs> the, the, Oh, uh, but the world of I thought the game show comma Groupies. Wouldn't that be a good game
1: show? Grouper, groupies,
0: Grouper Market Sweep. Uh, yes, the world of game
1: show Groupies. So Groupie is a is a word now that has taken on you know that that has become sort of uh, politically questionable because the because the term conveys a variety of kind of.
0: Well, it's uh, always a little icky. The aspersion. idea of, of a mostly male power structure allowing kind of a cloud of female followers that you know that may be prized for their sexual availability.
1: Although we'll see in the in the in the um, in the recounting of this story, you know that's kind of a that's a a, a postmodern overlay on the actual relationship between between the between rock stars and their fans.
0: Usually they used to just play backgammon with them.
1: Well, I mean sex is a thing, but sex, you know, sex doesn't necessarily have to um, have to be politically negative. And I think the initial the, the initial exchanges between people in rock and roll you think it was just more equitable? It was seen as a much more mutual exchange and it was only it was only later that it kind of, you know, that well, as we started to look at everything in different different lights, more political lights, that, you know, people that weren't there started to kind of redefine what had happened, right? That it became it became a thing that got digested by people that didn't have the first hand experience. When you listen to the tales as recounted by people who were there, there's very little sense from them um, that the that the relationship was imbalanced or negative really, even though by contemporary standards a lot of it was would have been super questionable just in terms <laughs> of like the ages of people involved
0: <laughs> well I mean, even if they're not telling the story now still one of them is in a small elite group members of a band and the other group presumably is larger and easily replenished well you young young women who want to hang out with uh, the small number of guys in the band
1: you might be surprised like for instance the um you know there are a couple of groupies who are sort of Legendary. Pamela Desbars, for instance. Sure.
0: Um there's a new documentary about Michael Desbars uh with, that I really want to see that uh that
1: Josh Weinstein did. I uh I hear it's great. Uh a new documentary. Why would Michael Desbars now suddenly be uh be the topic of a brand new documentary? I just think it's a look back at a fascinating career. He was Oh, and he was the singer of Power Station after Robert Palmer left. But anyway, like b- just between Pamela Desbars and Bebe Buell, um, the two of them—Bebe
0: Buell is uh, Liv Tyler's
1: mom. Liv Tyler's mom. Yeah. The two—if you look at a list of their rock star boyfriends—they um, have a type. They—they <laughs> they do. They have a type, and it was like a lot of the same people, right? Um, it, you know, it turns out I think in that in those early days, although there was—I I mean. I, Clearly, Paul McCartney slept with a lot of girls when he was 20 years old. But really, like Mick Jagger kind of was a serial monogamist and went uh, and, you know, dated Pamela Desbars for a long time and Baby Buell for a long time. So it was less of a sort of a churn as it was a symbiosis almost between the people on one side of the, of the stage and the other. At least in the at least in the many, many uh, oral accounts of the people that were there. There's gotta be a better way to say that. Oral accounts. Um, but yeah, learning that there were actually people who made a learning this from talking to Buzzy, that there were people who made it a, a sport to try to land collect Jeopardy champions as many Jeopardy champions as they could. Um you're making it sound like a little more drama than there is, but is that right? There, it seemed pretty dramatic when I was uh, are, <laughs> when I was there on the Paramount
0: lot. It's it's, <laughs> it's not a big part of the Jeopardy experience, right. but there but there are a few uh, there are a few cases.
1: But you were famously the you know the un the unattainable gold coin. I was married,
0: but well, just like all those rock stars, <laughs> I assume. <laughs>
1: Were you ever, did you ever have a first-hand experience with someone who clearly was trying to bag you? No, no, Somebody no, Somebody sidled no, up to no. you at a cocktail party and drop their handkerchief or.
0: Is that what happens?
1: Well. This is the look, new. I'm not going to give it away from the, the, the rockstar
0: This is the new hanky code. Uh, no. I mean, I've seen, I've seen plenty of people on Twitter propositioning me either in the second or third person, but. Uh,
1: How does one previs- proposition
0: you in the third person? you just hashtag, you, uh you, I would sleep with
1: Ken Jennings. With at,
0: no, that's, that would be, you know, I would be at Ken Jennings, you know, uh-huh. then you know the person's going to see it, but you didn't say, hey, at Ken Jennings, uh, I'm in room 1018. Right. Uh So, but I'm
1: in, I'm in room 10, 1018 at Ken Jennings.
0: But no marriage proposals in the mail. Hmm. I remember reading that Charles Van Doren in the 50s, he got dozens of marriage proposals. In, in the mail, yeah, just people being like, "Hey, I saw you win uh, money on the the crooked quiz show. Um, let's run away together."
1: I wonder what would happen if you replied to one of those and said yes. <laughs> if you replied to all of them and said yes, if I know, you were Charles Van, Zaren. I know
0: Buzzy and some other Jeopardy contestants of the internet era hear a lot from prisons. They're they're very popular in, in prison. Oh, huh. uh, they all have they all have inmates who are. Rooting for them, who are rooting for them, and you know, hoping they get arrested. Would love to meet up. With <laughs> would love to meet up with them. If you know, that could be one way. But, yeah, 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 sure.
1: But it could be after upon release, I guess. If you're going to commit a crime, do it in this jurisdiction because you'll end up here with me <laughs> in the Marin County Jail. Um, but you know, the heyday of what we think of as rock groupiedom, and we covered a little bit uh, of this when we, um, when we talked about. Patty Boyd Patty and her, her relationship He's with the her relationship with George Harrison and and his best friend Eric Clapton, who ended up being you know they were both her husband in the time, but the 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 groupie culture, uh, in that moment in the mid sixties, um, you know it coincided with the rise of the free love movement in the United States and Europe. Uh, that was a a result of the now widespread availability of birth control. The um If it hadn't coincided
0: with that, they would have just wanted the rock stars to what go for a carriage ride with.
1: It them. wouldn't have been free love. It would have been love at a cost. Yes. Yes. The free the free implied is free of um Pregnancy and or pregnancy. Probably not disease in these cases. No, but it, but at the time, you know, it was before uh before AIDS became a Um, a major going concern, like, I guess, you know, venereal disease, always a problem, but this is in the era, um, sort of in the, in the dawn of the penicillin years where penicillin is widely available. So really it's only herpes that is uncurable by penicillin. And, you know... And the, I wouldn't know. I'll take your word for it, though. You know, the minor uh, sort of uh, warts and so forth. But, you know, your, your your bad ones, your syphilis and your gonorrhea... Why are you saying your? Your. I'm, I'm <laughs> talking to you, in particular, star. In particular, my syphilis <laughs> and <laughs> in my gonorrhea. In particular, the risk of syphilis and gonorrhea that you might have if you were an internationally famous trivia star was now mitigated by penicillin. So there was a... You know, the free love moment wasn't just a product of uh kind of the boomer political moment it, was it also driven by medicine it was driven by medicine and by um and to a certain degree by the advent of no fault divorce or the dawn of it you know a, a liberalizing of social mores that um you know it created a kind of perfect storm and also the rise of rock and roll as a um, a kind of place where young heroic males were sort of put up on a pedestal, not just as strong uh, cowboys, but as sort of beautiful, even feminized, sensitive, sensitive uh, Byronic. What if you'd had? Characters. What if you'd had the free love
0: movement without rock and roll? You would have wound up with all these women just throwing themselves
1: at promiscuous astronauts, right, or John Wayne or something, right? I mean, like it's just not as fun if. Your free love movement is orbiting around Frank Sinatra, just sort of like, Ugh. and and astronauts and those guys. I mean that that sort of right stuff, um, you know, boomer era or post war greatest generation kind of uh, like like BDE kind of you know classic heroism. Classic heroism. I'll say classic
0: heroism. You say BDE.
1: BDE. We, I think everyone understands. It would be a. It's a very different. And I'm certainly, the astronauts had had female fans, right? But a very different thing from this, as uh, as you're saying, a kind of poetic, romantic.
0: You don't feel like you know an astronaut, but if you listen to
1: Jim Morrison, boy, sure. you really feel like you know the guy. Unfortunately, really, <laughs> really want to spend more time you, you with you really this guy. Really wish you didn't. <laughs> so, so the so culturally, there was. Um, you know, I, I think as as that relationship became kind of ossified in by the seventies and eighties, it was a very clear exchange. You know, kind of the the one that you were describing earlier or, or implying earlier, where it's like, here's the rock star, here's the backstage, here's the access, here's how you get there, here's what it gets you, backstage pass, and you you know, and you wear a low cut blouse, and the roadie walks you back, and it's a it's it's a much more. Um, there's an exchange there's an expectation there's a there's a culture and a tradition of it and it and over time it feels exploitative and becomes exploitative but in those it's true in individual cases it wouldn't be and in the early 60s when it had not yet become an institution when it was really you know when a lot of these rock stars would walk off the stage and kind of walk out the back door and get into a car and drive to the hotel. And if you were standing in the lobby of the hotel and said, Hey, Jimi Hendrix, can I talk to you? Jimi Hendrix would go, Oh, how did you know I was in this hotel? You know, it was a a more innocent time and a a resourceful person could have access to celebrities and politicians. We talked in our episode, not the other, not, not, but last week about the, about how you last
0: week, as the saying goes,
1: About how you could walk into the White House and use the bathroom until the mid-80s. You could
0: just wander in and just yell at Benjamin Harrison if you wanted. Sure.
1: And he had to take it. It was in the law. Even Gerald Ford. I remember as a kid standing (laughs) there at the foot of the... the Of the Resolute Desk. Just yelling at him about... (laughs) Whipping inflation now? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not
0: whipping inflation at all. Come
1: on. Stay on your toes. When when is this kid going to leave? So, in those first first heady days... uh, a teenage girl by the name of Cynthia Alberton, uh, who grew up in Chicago and was kind of, uh, you know, an aspiring artist, taking art classes and a um, and a fan of rock music. Just a just a a natural sort of um, teenage boomer enthusiasm for. She was the perfect. She she came of age just in time for Elvis and Beatlemania. That's right. The, and that the, the jingle jangle of those Rickenbacker guitars, which I can speak from firsthand experience, has a hypnotic quality over all living people.
0: You think ching, that's ching, the sexual ching. power of rock and roll? Is the is the jingle jangle of uh, Rickenbacker arpeggios?
1: That's why I bought a Rickenbacker guitar when I was starting out. I was like, what, what 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 is the what's the magic wand? And a wizard appeared and he said, get a Rickenbacker. Listen to the ching, birds. Ching 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 ching. It's you know, and look where I am now. <laughs> Well, you're sitting next to a rickenbacker <laughs> guitar, I guess. <laughs> um, so, Cynthia was uh, was taking an art class at the time, and uh, but you know she was, as is true, I think of a lot of people, shy, um, wanted to know more about these these the uh, glamorous, poetic young men, but like had no way or no access to them or reason to ever think that they would be interested in her. It's
0: just, uh, everyone feels that way. Like I have, I have no access to these people. And in fact, any sufficiently enterprising young person does have access. Sure. The whole system just relies on the fact that not all of them will figure that out.
1: And that's the problem with Twitter. As soon as Twitter came on the scene and people realized, Oh, I do have access to it. Like if I wanted to, if I wanted to tweet at Paul McCartney right now, I could. And, I don't know what the percentage chance of him answering is. Probably very low. It's pretty small. But if you picked a different name. Mark Hamill. You can sure. get Mark Hamill to reply to you. Sure. Just, just pretend to have a sick uh, <laughs> sick relative. No, he's replied to my daughter three times now. Oh, wow! He, I know, like get a that's, get, that's a little worried. Get a job, Mark Hamill. I hope people will
0: audition Mark Hamill for something after hearing that sad story. Yeah, he seems like a very
1: nice man. My sister really
0: likes him. But the, the he's lovely. He's the, lovely. He goes to hospitals and stuff.
1: And 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 my experience of being a rock musician is, yeah, you get down off of the stage, and every most of the people when the show is over turn around and leave. Hopefully, they buy a T-shirt on their way out the door. So the people that are still in the room after the lights come up. It's usually a handful, three to five people who um, either figured out a way to convince security that they belonged there, or like are related to the bartender. It's definitely self-selects for the weirdest possible ones. It is. It is. <laughs> They're absolutely always the weirdest ones. But then, but then, night after night, as the performer, you realize, oh, it's super easy to talk to me. Like if if you're a fan of a of a rock musician, it's actually super easy. You just have to have a kind of um, tenacity.
0: I was speaking at a university in Indiana right before all the craziness started earlier in the year, and uh, there's only one hotel on campus. It's where the hotel puts everyone. Like if, um, and there were pictures in the hall of all the people who had spoken there. You know, here's Buzz Aldrin, here's Condoleezza Rice. All those people had to stay at that hotel. If you wanted to meet Buzz Aldrin or Condoleezza Rice, you just had to stand in the the double tree like lobby of this Indiana. Hotel, and they would have walked in. That's right. And there were, in fact, a couple people who wanted me to sign all this sports memorabilia. And they had kind of a scam where they kept pulling out more stuff. Because, you know, your first impulse is like, yeah, I'll sign this and then I'll leave. While you're it turns signing, out they, it's
1: like a scarf game.
0: They right? can pull out five more things. Yeah. yeah. So finally, I was like, "Yeah, I'll see you guys." But...
1: Sports memorabilia. What
0: were they having you sign? Yeah. like OJ's. Do you guys know I'm not an, Yeah. Like yeah. you know how valuable OJ's shorts are if they're signed by me, Ken Jennings. <laughs> it's the only such pair. <laughs> it was just trading cards, and then it was like you went to BYU, right? Sign these blank BYU uh, game balls or or whatever. Like that's a thing, I guess, by uh, noted alumni of the of the college football school. or It all seemed very tenuous. We came all the way out from Indianapolis for this. Yeah, well, maybe you should have called first. (laughs) Yeah, or, huh. Like, if I had to do it again, I would have been like, how much more are these worth now? And now, how much of that do you give me? Because otherwise...
1: Right, why are we in this together? I'm kind of
0: working here for free, (laughs) and the elevator's right there. (laughs) But yeah, getting to a hotel lobby takes almost no work.
1: Almost no work. And Cynthia uh, Albertson sitting in her art class, um, hit upon a stroke of inspiration. Her art teacher was describing the process of making a plaster cast of a of an item and assigned the class uh, to go out and and using this technique, make a plaster cast of some hard object, some, you know, find a thing in the world. A, I don't know what, a trailer hitch or it's, it's, a you, you pour brass the, banana. You
0: pour the liquid plaster of Paris over... I'm not going to say the hard object like you just insisted on saying hard object,
1: <laughs> but over the item, and it's a different process. You you actually you um you use a kind of gel a, a, a material called alginate or oh, alginate you, right because you want it to solidify quickly right. So the gel solidifies oh, around okay. the hard object, and then you fill the uh the resulting cavity with plaster. with plaster, Got and it. then that makes your plaster cast. And Cynthia, as a precocious teen, had a flash of inspiration and thought, "I've got it." now she's a uh, she is not sexually experienced at this point. She is a virgin and her best friend pest.
0: She has a friend named pest pest this is the what mid- do you think that's sure for?
1: Hmm, pestilent pestilence P- pesto? pest P- pesto? pesto pesto sauce. Uh no, I think that it was just you know it was a it's a nickname a nickname that a does seem of, like
0: the f- the girl the girl's friend on a sitcom yeah pest Look,
1: it's Patty Duke and pest and here's pest and there's then there's uh Pigpen and we're all going to the malt <laughs> shoppy. Uh, Cynthia says, uh, Cynthia says to pest. It's the beginning of every great story.
0: Cynthia says,
1: Why don't we make uh, a plaster cast? Of a rock star's... Genitals. Pee-pee. See, this is the leap.
0: That's the leap I can't see a, just like a teenage kid sitting in art class making. You and know? this is the absolute the, definition of genius. That is, nobody else in the room was thinking. That's right. Everybody else is like, well, I'll just do a parking meter. She's the <laughs> only one who's like, gotta be
1: Jimi Hendrix's phallus." And the, the, the thing about those great genius inspirations is that no one else in the world thought of it at that moment... Just teenage Cynthia and her friend Pest. Well, it's really the fine line between genius and mental illness. Because another reason why
0: nobody thinks of stuff like that is because it's a bad idea.
1: Well, Cynthia actually suggests that doing, like, casts of your genitals is a thing that men have been doing for thousands of years. She said, you know, anytime you're— you have to
0: be a very old man to be doing that for thousands of years. Well,
1: but she was saying, you know, I'm sure that Egyptians, uh, you know— cast their uh, penises in sand when they were at the beach. She had this whole story about, like, how this was some ancient practice or how it's always happening all the time. And let me ask you, is there any evidence that this is true? I cannot think, you know, in my entire life at 52 years old, I have never once said to myself or thought, wouldn't it be great if I had a cast of my own genitals? I mean, you of all people don't need one. You have it right there. You
0: have instant access.
1: You don't need it. You and why? And I, it's not a gift. It's, I think any it, of my friends want odd gift idea. If I gave you a cast of my penis for a holiday, uh-huh. and I was like, "Don't open this in front of the family. This is just between you and me." What's it made out of? In the scenario, is it plaster? Let's say plaster. Okay. And you were like, "Okay, fine. You know, I won't. You sure?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. No, save it, save it." And then you opened it, and it was clearly what is this? A coat hook? <laughs> I mean, would it you, would it be a gift you were glad to
0: receive? Would it, how, would it change our relationship? It feels it would feel a little bit threatening, it, right? Because right now we currently have a social dynamic where neither of us sends the other duplicates of any part of our anatomy. That's
1: one hundred percent right,
0: and it really crosses a rubicon. It's a little aggressive,
1: right, <laughs> to give it as a gift or to have it around. If it was on my shelf and you walked into my house and you were like, "What is that?" and I'm like, "Oh, it's a it's my." penis
0: to to have it in your own house would be eccentric to give it eccentric, to me would right. be presumptuous right like that's a whole different arena
1: but eccentric in a way that is like it's kind of like a it's kind of like certain kinds of billboards where it's like just having that out on the road is an assault because i exactly. because i can't not look at it i now. don't want to see your
0: uh smoking lung or uh anti-abortion photos no no uh,
1: just like like, I should uh, have the option
0: of not seeing it at that size
1: without putting up a hand to blinder myself. Right, but so Cynthia,
0: um, as uh, as you're, as you're sh- not going to send me that, right? No, 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 and no, no because I
1: don't have a cast of of my penis, and I don't want to make one. But it sounds easy. Just you need, just need some alginate. What I need is this alginate and a and uh, and what and the the tool that Cynthia used, which was a martini shaker.
0: Is you that fill right? It with
1: alginate, <laughs> and it's you got your portable uh, penis caster. Autumn is here, John. Autumn is here, and you know what autumn makes... Season of
0: mists and mellow fruitfulness. You know what it makes me think of? What does it make you think of?
1: Well, it makes me think of new t-shirts of my favorite media properties.
0: The gift-giving season is going to begin fairly soon. Mm -hmm. And here at Omnibus, here in the bunker, we have not always done the best job at keeping a steady stream of Omnibus merch...
1: No, it's true. ...out in the universe. It's true. Our futurelings are often... Uh, they often contact us. They're clamoring for Omnibus-branded merch. They're naked. They're shirtless. Yep. Uh, because fashions change and seasons change. Seasons change and so seasons do we. Seasons change. And now it's fall and you want some new... I mean, a lot of future futurelings are t-shirt wearers, let's be honest. We are going to have a
0: steady stream of t-shirt designs going forward, starting this month.
1: What do you mean a stream? Do you mean like different t-shirt designs over time?
0: Yes, there's going to be new shirt designs every month uh, for October in our t-shirt store. We have brought back the two t-shirt designs That we had briefly available well over a year ago, Uh, whenever that was. Right. Uh, A time period so brief that many of you may not remember. Those shirt designs are now available again at Mediocrity.com.
1: That's M-E-D-I-O-C-R-I-T-E-E.
0: So Mediocrity, but with a T-E-E like t-shirts instead of T-Y.
1: .com slash Omnibus. And then... Every month, we're going to have a new set of of t shirt designs. So, um, collect them all. <laughs> <laughs> so this month, it's the Omnibus and Futurelink designs that
0: uh, longtime fans may remember from a year or two ago. Uh, the shirts are great. They uh, print on next level shirts, which are soft, high quality. Uh, we've got women's size uh, small through triple XL and men's size small through quadruple XL um these are our this is our friend dave rutledge of meh helping us out with shirt sales he's the guy that owns my styrofoam head and made you tell stories that were better than my stories on the show
1: he has bought your styrofoam head not once but twice on the open market what's the normal number of times to buy someone's
0: styrofoam head i'd say two it's i think it's under one really it's closer to zero than
1: one let's see i'm thinking about all the styrofoam heads of Famous people that I've purchased.
0: Do you have a list of those celebrities yeah, ready to go? Most of
1: them I've only bought at one time.
0: Who are some examples of those celebrities? I have Ru McClanahan yeah, at home.
1: I have uh, Tony Millionaire, <laughs> and uh, let's see. Uh, I have uh, Dom DeLuise. You do? Uh, I, li- I like
0: to get giant celebrity heads, uh, styrofoam heads of celebrities with giant heads.
1: I have Jason Isbell. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's a big head. Um, so if you
0: are uh, missing... Omnibus shirts in your wardrobe. If you're looking for omnibus gift giving ideas for the upcoming holiday season.
1: That's right. Because if you if you order now, the shirts will be in your hot little hands or tentacles or antennae.
0: It's true. You must be a bipedal omnibus listener with the normal number of four limbs, I'm afraid.
1: Not necessarily. If you have eight limbs, you can put two of them through the sleeves of this t shirt. And
0: maybe drill your own holes if necessary. Drill
1: your own holes. That's the omnibus motto.
0: Go check out the shirt designs at mediocrite.com slash omnibus and look out for new designs every month.
1: Anyway, so Cynthia, her first choice, and I think this was probably true of every um, of every 60s teenage girl, her first choice was Paul Revere and the Raiders. <laughs>
0: going say Paul McCartney. No. Paul, Paul Her first Revere. choice was Paul Revere and the Raiders. Paul Revere and the Raiders. Did she need every Raider? No, she was looking, for, she was looking
1: for Paul Revere, uh, the namesake of the band.
0: Because when I see a picture of Paul Revere, the lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, I, I think, what does that guy look like under that uh, Revolutionary War uniform? Mm-hmm. Without those epaulettes, without the tricorn hat, what's going without on your,
1: there? Without your dry white toast and without your four fried chickens. Without those, those breeches. Uh, so... So uh Cynthia and Pest went to um went to a Paul Revere and the Raiders show and at and sort of proving our point had no trouble at all getting access to um the Paul Revere and the Raiders backstage party.
0: Northwest Band, by the way. hmm That's right. Like Portland slash Idaho or something.
1: Yeah, they're 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 part of
0: our uh they're part of our Of our Our Cascadia rock story. Of our proud, Revolutionary War-themed rock heritage here. And, uh... Can you imagine the battles with the Kingsmen?
1: Oh, I wish. I'd love to be at that party. The Kingsmen
0: sound like they're very loyal to the crown.
1: Right, but Paul Revere and the Raiders are, um... Fired their guns and the British kept it coming.
0: (laughs) So, she... They just... she, She tracks
1: down Mr. Revere. So, she goes to the party after the show. She says, Hey, um... You know, uh, I have this great idea. And is it Mark Lindsay, the lead singer, or is it... So, she approaches Mark Lindsay, and she says, uh, what do you think about this? I've got this uh, school assignment. Um, (laughs) And... I bet he's briefly bored, and then a little more interested when he hears more. And she says, you know, what do you think? And um, they... uh, she didn't have the alginate at the time. Her her art teacher ha- said that you know that it was like he wanted her to cast something in sand and water or some kind of. Uh, was she using it? So what did she use? She she showed up and she didn't have the right. She wanted to pour the plaster directly on Mr. Lindsay. She didn't have the right stuff, and so the so although although Lindsay was like no. I don't think this is going to work. She did get to stay at the party. And in fact, that night lost her virginity to the drummer of Paul Revere and the Raiders. I'd have to look it up. Um, And I would have to look it up too. And so would anyone (laughs) in the world. But she had, you know, she'd made a, she'd made an official looking little, little valise that had her. Her material in it. It turned out she needed, you know, like to revise her, her, her the system. girl detective kit. But she was like, da da da, you know, here I am, and I'm sure it was very charming. And of course, you know, the rock stars are what in their very early 20s, and she's in her teens. And by mid 60s standards, that was a that was a fairly uh, commonplace, I think. I mean, I didn't lose my virginity until I was twenty, but I was a little bit of a late bloomer.
0: It sounds like kicks don't keep getting harder to find if you're if you're Paul Revere and the Raiders at this time. It sounds oh, like, sounds like they come right to the party.
1: Well, yeah, right. I think. Um, oh wow! I'm sorry. I just uh, I, I just got distracted by a photograph. Uh, but but um, I don't think I want to know what it, what it is. <laughs> um. So she she did not succeed in getting a plaster cast of any of the raiders. Although she did she did come away with a um, with a with an experience that she would treasure the rest of her life. Do you know what
0: Paul Revere's real name was? What Paul Revere Dick? Really, you know, he's the organist in the band, and he he was named for Paul Revere, and he dropped his last name
1: to become Paul Revere. Paul Revere. Actually, she lost her virginity to Mark Lindsay. Ah, the lead singer, not the, the drummer. The lead singer, not the drummer. The good, lead singer. good. You got to start at the top. Well, and if you look at a picture of him from the time, my goodness, he's beautiful. I would lose my virginity to him right now if I had the option. If, if that were available to you. On a couple levels, it's not. But she was not dissuaded, and her first successful plaster cast was of none other than Jimi Hendrix, who was appearing... Locally. Uh this is in nineteen sixty eight. And where'd you say Chicago? Chicago. And uh she and Pest intercepted him at his hotel. And because of the Paul Revere's and the Raiders experience, which is not the name of the band. It's the Jimi Hendrix experience. Are you experienced? But the the word had gotten out and the rock music scene was probably small then as it is now. It's a
0: pretty good story. There's this girl in Chicago.
1: So uh, when she approached Jimi Hendrix in the lobby and said, you know, and she had her little suitcase that said the plaster casters of Chicago on it, uh, Hendrix said, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. Come on up. (laughs) And so she and Pest went upstairs. And I think actually at this point, uh, she had a friend named Diane who started to be her um, her wingman, and Diane actually had sort of no compunction about being the person that helped the musician prepare. I see, because
0: um, the sculptures must be, as you have said, of a hard
1: object of a of of, of an object an object that isn't just like you know indistinguishable from the uh, from the alginate. It has to <laughs> distinguish itself.
0: Uh, and that was Diane's job.
1: So Diane, you know, in the in the industry, I think she's known as a fluffer. In this case, it was just something that she it's just a hobby. She was she volunteered to do. She was friends with Cynthia. At this point, Cynthia, so so she went up to Hendrix's room. Hendrix, she continued to say, was her favorite person that she ever worked with in this capacity, precisely because he was super casual. He was just like, oh yeah, man, you know, here you go. Happy to help. He, he 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 loves his fans. He loves his fans. He's all about helping. He's always about, he's all about the kids. He's all about <laughs> rock and roll. And so he just um, he just dropped trow and she had her uh, little little martini shaker. Not little, like, regular you know, size <laughs> size martini. Shaker. I hope not for Jimmy. It's probably cold. Cold. Mm. Um, but she makes this casting. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't realize at that point that you needed to kind of have a baby powder element or uh, some kind of oh. other element that keeps to remove it, it after? from sticking right so there was a period there where it kind of wouldn't come off Was there several to...
0: years when Jimmy Hendrix had a martini shaker on his on his phallus No she managed to get it off that
1: day okay, and good. in fact he had a show to do later that afternoon uh, so it was it was necessary that this be kind of a an in and out as a uh, type of type of thing but she succeeded and she had then not only the 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 new name and 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 exciting artistic reputation of being Cynthia Plastercaster, but also a plaster cast of Jimi Hendrix's peanuts, little Jimmy.
0: I talked to uh, I talked to a guy once who had the world's foremost collection of maps of Jerusalem from a certain era, mm. like Christian maps of Jerusalem from the. I don't know what. The 1700s or something.
1: Are you sure that this wasn't me that you were talking to? Are you the world's
0: foremost collector of?
1: Well, apparently not.
0: And I said, "Why do you have all this stuff about the holy land? You're you're I mean, for one thing, you're you're Jewish. Why do you have all these Christianized maps of Palestine?" And he said, "Well, you've got to pick a narrow niche."
1: You do have, you have to know. pick a narrow if niche. If
0: you pick a, if you pick a narrow niche, like he said, "I'm a doctor and I have friends who choose rare diseases to specialize in." because you can become the world's number one authority without having to climb over too many people. And I assume Mm -hmm. that is also true. If you're the young woman who makes plaster casts of rock stars, genitalia,
1: she immediately would become the foremost plaster caster of the scene. So that's exactly right. Um, As we were, as we described, Pamela Desbars bars and, and Bebe Buell were two of the most widely known um, sort of, Female rock star hunters of their time. Bebe was a Playboy playmate and um, and a musician. Pamela also like a musician and you know kind of aspirant to the to the rock scene. A lot of other women trying to get access to these Byronic rock figures. How do you set yourself apart you if got- you haven't been in Playboy? You got to have a gimmick. You got to have a gimmick.
0: That's what Sondheim says. And
1: so Cynthia Plastercaster really went right to the top of the the people that after a show, if someone comes up and goes, hey, sign my baseball memorabilia, or says, hey, let me do a plaster cast of your naked um, pee-pee, and also my friend Diane here is going to assist me, you know, it's certainly a calling card. It's,
0: uh, I wonder if it was a, both a blessing and a curse to have Hendrix be the first member of the collection, if you, uh, as it were.
1: Well, a very interesting observation. So, among the first people starting in the late 60s that she successfully made casts of, the second was Noel Redding, Hendrix's, um, a bandmate. Ba- yeah. And, we'll uh, see, wait,
0: we see bass or drums. Noel Redding is Noel Redding is bassist. bass. Yeah.
1: Uh, Actually the first two that she did successfully were two friends that she tested this experiment out on. That's good. Before you, she made it to You don't want Hendrix. You don't want Jimi Hendrix or Mark Lindsay to be your your guinea pig. Right. And interestingly, you know, as was the style of the time, she was able to do two different casts of her friend's penises and retain her virginity. So she clearly had um this was not just a – She was a
0: high minded uh this was an art
1: project and not a ploy. Initially, I'm looking at her uh,
0: at an excerpt of her official list, and what's very funny to me is that she she appears to have some official cataloging system. Yes, she has a numbering system for all her subjects, and it's <laughs> it's four digits.
1: Yeah, her she, she anticipates. No, it's it's five digits. She, her her the numbering under on her Hendrix uh, her Hendrix cast is number zero 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 four. So, if that's true, she expected. She anticipated
0: 99,900. I guess you could have a zero. She anticipated 100,000 possible uh, entrants. That's right. That was her, I mean, you know, credit a, to her. It's a lofty goal. It's good to have goals when you're that age, you know?
1: But after Noel Redding and Eric Burden from The Animals and Wayne Kramer from The MC5, you also see in her list a lot of stage managers. And other, you know, kind of like people working on the crew and it was kind of clear that she would show up looking for uh, Keith Moon's cast, but what she, she got was Keith Moon's her. drum tech. <laughs> <laughs> and what she found, oh, so so she attracted the attention of uh, someone who's already in the omnibus uh, in a couple of different ways, Frank Zappa. Hmm. Zappa... Heard about this and thought it was amazing. And as you know, Zappa, um, Zappa at the time was uh, had a voracious appetite for new art and what he thought was going to be like out crazy outsider art. He
0: loved, art. yeah, uh, avant garde conceptual stuff. This is right up his alley. right? And
1: he thought this was a fa- this was a fantastic thing. So much so that he actually moved Cynthia Plastercaster out to Los Angeles. And set her up, hoping that she could do plaster casts of all the rock musicians' penises, and then they would have a giant art uh, exhibition of all of her plaster casts.
0: Right. Did these early castees have any... Expectation of privacy? Do you think they were told this is for a private collection, or was she just like, yeah, this could be
1: in a gallery? No, I don't. I think that just based on my own experiences, having been a rock star in the early to mid '60s, if someone <laughs> comes up to your room and says, "I want to do a cast of of your uh, of your naked self," and you're like, "Sure, man," and then they you
0: don't want to ask uptight questions like. What are you... Will this be in a gallery? Do I need to
1: sign something? Do I
0: retain any intellectual property rights over the outline
1: of my junk? So, it wasn't... I don't think that was the issue. I think that what she discovered was that a lot of times she would do a cast, and then the rock star would want to take the cast with them. Ah. Like, uh, they didn't want to do it for... It was like you and your your, uh, BYU baseballs. You're like, what do I get out of this? Couldn't she do two? Well... That seems fair. It does seem fair, but again... Once you have <clears throat> made yourself a, into a hard object, and then put yourself into cold alginate or alginate, I know the person can't be expected to perform
0: again. But couldn't the alginate produce two plaster reverse images? Oh,
1: interesting. Good. I don't know if that's point. true. Maybe I don't know. Why wouldn't the, you be able to make a thousand of them? Maybe the alginate. Yeah, that's what I would do. No, in fact, you're right. The cast survived. Um, oh, so she still has the cast. The in, cast. In many cases. She still has. Uh, and that will figure into the story in a moment. Um, but once Zappa got involved and was sort of bankrolling her and like we're going to do this, it it they came up against a problem, which was and you hinted at it um, that having Hendrix be your first maybe wasn't a good idea. Um, <laughs> you know, Hendrix isn't like famously well endowed. He's
0: not but, Milton Berle
1: for right, crying out loud, but he's also not. Famously not well endowed. I mean, I think he had a uh, uh, he had a penis to be proud of, as really as we all do. There's no. Uh, that's
0: very that's very nice of you to be so supportive of, of Jimmy.
1: Well, it's not just me. Cynthia Plastercaster also has uh, has been very uh, very adamant that size does not matter. Well, she would have to say so. Oh no, she wouldn't. She could say it's, she could. She could uh, uh, arrange all of her casts on order, a table in, in order of size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, what I'm saying
0: is her her interest in recruiting new talent are served by saying that size is irrelevant. But I feel like no male rock star will agree with
1: that. And unfortunately, that really came to bear in. Um, in the moment when she could have turned this into truly an epic scale project.
0: It could be like the cover of Sgt. Pepper's.
1: With Frank Sinatra, or I'm sorry, not Frank Sinatra, but Frank Zappa standing at her side saying, Come on, everyone, let's everybody get their penis cast. Why, why limit yourself to rock stars? You could have, you could you have, could
0: have Gandhi and mm-hmm. uh, 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 Dog Hammer skilled.
1: Unfortunately there was suddenly Don, – Don da- Don <laughs> <Hummer's, Hummer's> Dong Hammer's Dong Hammer's Dong. That's my porn name. From 1968 to 1970, uh, that brief period where we had full-on free love, but there wasn't yet quite the post-Altamont self-consciousness. Right. Unrelated to Altamont, but just sort of um, – all of a sudden, her supply of willing rock musicians dried up. And I think it is just the – It drooped. It sagged. It, it drooped. Uh, people realized that, um, that they – well, I don't know, realized. All of a sudden, not very many rock musicians wanted to put their penis on a table with other rock stars' penises. Because they, automatically, people are going to say which one is the b- biggest and which is the smallest. It's just that's the, what people do.
0: It's uh, so they didn't want to join the Criterion Collection. In fact,
1: Frank Zappa himself did not allow her to do Come a on. cast.
0: You He's gotta, out there trying to get everybody else. You got to put your money where your where your crotch is, as it were. Have you heard the story about Rod Stewart?
1: I've heard so many stories about <laughs> Rod Stewart. Which <laughs> one are you? This referring one is to? not
0: about gerbils. I guess Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood agreed to do it. And in his in his later retelling of the story, they go up to. Wherever Cynthia is going to cast them, and she's got 4 She's got Jimi Hendrix out there on the table, uh, and immediately it turned out that was the wrong thing to do. Immediately, Rod says both he and Ronnie were like, "Ah, maybe we'll pass." Actually, it's a really it's a really revealing look at the average sized rock star.
1: Well, and and what's funny is that that might be um, that might be a a classic culture clash where. The you know, the young woman is like, Look, yeah. isn't this amazing? I have Jimi Hendrix's penis. Completely missing that that all of the guys are like, Oh, it's cool. You know, actually, I'm feeling a little bit ah, I've got a little bit of a back pain today. Must, Maybe we could do this another I time. I just went swimming in a cold pool. It might have taken her ten years or so to figure out not to lead with um, you know, your champion.
0: She should have started with Insert some modestly sized rock star I don't. I don't even know who uh, who I would choose for that.
1: Paul Simon. Oh, we have no idea. We have no idea how well endowed Paul Simon is. That's the thing about penises. You can ne- you can't look at somebody. What's one thing about them? except Mer- Milton Berle and LBJ. You can look at them and just know. Um, but uh, but most people, you have no idea what what's going. on. But just
0: on. a rock star that does not exude, as you say, BDE.
1: Oh, I see. Uh, well, there are a lot of those rock star. I mean, Art Garfunkel. <laughs> if you're gonna pick <laughs> one of those two guys. Uh anyway, her last cast during this period was uh of the Ruddles drummer Ricky Fatar. <laughs> and um, She
0: wanted a Beatle and she had to settle for a Ruddle.
1: She she very f- uh she kind of famously throws Ainsley Dunbar, the drummer of Journey, under the bus. Saying that although Jimi Hendrix was her favorite to work with, Ainsley was her least favorite because he spent a lot of time trying to make sure that he was fluffed and was anxious and, you know, and like, no, 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 I'm not ready. And she like made prepared and threw away like four Batches of alginate Alginate's waiting not for him. Free, to, that's Ainsley. right. And she was just like, "What a pain in the neck!" And I, you know, I'm not even sure if his survived. But in 1971, she made her last cast. No, she couldn't get anybody to to play along. Zappa. Uh, they never came up with enough casts. It didn't seem to do a proper show. Uh huh. And so... It's also
0: hard to imagine what this show would be like. Is it a single wall? Is it like a 10 by 10 grid No, I think each one of
1: them would be on a little... That's what I'm wondering. Like a plinth. Like you walk through and you kind of ponder each "Hmm." one in order? No, and maybe they'd be in groupings, three here, three there. It could be a
0: grouping by band. Like you could have the front man in the front, you got the drummer in the back. (laughs) Like just mirror their stage layout.
1: If you look at them, uh, which I have uh, from many angles, they're not all... Well, just like all just like the men in the world, these penises are not um uniform, and they're not uniform in any way. They don't all stand up the same. they're curved, they're some are wide, some are thin, some are long, some are short. I, I mean, I love the gimmick, but I don't know what
0: what do you learn by seeing each new one? What is revealed beyond just kind of the uh the voyeuristic? idea of, you know, I had no idea what uh, uh, Ainsley Dunbar, Ainsley Dunbar, is that the journey guy's name? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I had no idea what he looked like naked and I guess now I do.
1: Well, here's a question. Do you think the the penis is the window of the soul? I have always said so. No! <laughs> <laughs> no well, one thinks that. I think it's that. The,
0: it's, it's so far below the window. It's the baseboard of the soul.
1: I feel like you could, I feel like an antidote to a kind of you know, a lot of, ma- of of negative male energy, male violence, male um, uh, kind of, you know, like. Are we talking about toxic masculinity? Toxic masculinity is exactly right. I think a lot of it has a wellspring of insecurity at its base, fear and insecurity. And uh, that insecurity is perhaps a product of the fact that um, no one knows what. It's like for other men. And if you had a wall of – if you if on the first day of high school you walked in and just anonymously uh, there was a plaster cast of every penis of every person in that high school. Like they already had them somehow? They were just all there. It was the thing – when you signed up for high school, you went in and got your penis cast. And it never had your name attached to it. Nobody knew what it was. It just was there on the wall. So as you walk down the hall, you – is it on your locker or are they anonymized? No, 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 it's not connected to you. It's okay. just, a, it's like a, It's like an art gallery. It's
0: kind of like it on your locker. You can hang a jacket on it.
1: And what you discover is that most men's penises are just like yours or are across such a wide um, spectra that there's not really much use in comparing one to another or – It's true that when you poll men about – pull with two L's, if you pull them about
0: <laughs> average size, like men are literally off by multiple inches. Yeah, And in fact, the average range of size is quite narrow and very different
1: than what people imagine. Yeah, people think that everyone and this is it's a thing. The scourge of porn. There I are going to be a lot of futurelings who in the future are like, we reproduce asexually, we have no idea what your problem is. But the Toxic masculinity is, is that insecurity often is a result of thinking that everybody else has got it better than you. Everybody else is stronger and fitter, and and um, and it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reason I say high school is that one of the um, unintended consequences of going into the locker room as a teenager is seeing all the other kids naked and having that somewhat demystified. Because, well, here we all are. And that nakedness, and in traditional societies and throughout history, seeing other people naked is to demystify them and to take away some of the the, the mysterious power, right? Especially, like, if the biggest, strongest person...
0: You think it should be compulsory. You think, instead of a an art student out here, you think... Uh The government should be casting everybody's I do think the
1: government should force everyone to have casts made of their genitals. uh, Which cabinet department would you... I feel like it's Homeland Security. It belongs there with the the Border Patrol and the Secret Service. It's
0: got to be Interior.
1: Oh, Interior. No, it should be Exterior. (laughs) The Department of the Interior should do casts of our hearts. Okay, Department of Health. Department of Health and Human Services. That's the main
0: thing that the Secretary of Health and Human Services is in charge of, making sure that every American has a cast of their genitals archived in the Library of Congress.
1: I think Bureau of Land Management. <laughs> but I do think that 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 it, like a lot of things in, in modern society, as we get more and more distance, for instance, from death, right? None of us ever see a dead body anymore or spend right. any time. Uh, death has become mysterious to us and we're divorced from it.
0: And it allows us to become kind of... Uh, Callous about it. Treat, yeah. treat it as a hypothetical. When when right. covered coffins come home.
1: We always think of ourselves. It, it increases this sense that we're immortal and that we uh, that there aren't consequences, but also that we're just not connected to the cycle of life. So when I when I look at the um, and she she ended up with you Know somewhere on the order of 50 casts when you see her displays, it she usually just sort of handpicks the top 20 or 25. Unless some most other artist has
0: names. this shtick, I believe I have seen her work in a gallery. I, yeah. I can't remember where I saw this, an exhibition at the Whitney or something. Yeah, maybe. it did
1: it, it did a little tour, uh, but not for a long time. In 1971, um, she gave her casts to uh Herb Cohen, who was. Zappa's manager and also Alice Cooper's manager and Linda Ronstadt's manager, kind of a famous LA management type. Mm-hmm. She gave him her casts for safekeeping and she went back to Chicago and got a straight job and uh, you know continued to be kind of a, a rock um person and and close friends with the with the um, the other women in the scene and, and the rock stars that she'd met. And she was always kind of like a underground legend, but she didn't make another cast until 1980 when sort of punk rock, um, like she briefly, briefly made a, made a couple of casts because it was it kind of matches the, uh, our kind
0: of seventies idea of, a. Uh- of a a kind of a neutered version of rock that existed for 10 years until punk revivified.
1: Yeah. And it was, you know, there was a, there was a suggestion of it as kind of like uh, this guy named Smutty Smith of, uh, of a band called uh, Levi and the Rock Cats attempted a, a, a cast in 1980, but really it wasn't until 1988 when she'd, when she went through a period of, revitalization. And all of a sudden, Cynthia Plastercaster was um, a a legend of the 60s. And in 1988 was, I mean, this is sort of 20 years after her cast of Hendrix. It was a time when there was a lot of sort of boomer nostalgia for that era. The boomers themselves were in their forties and, um, and all this attention was kind of turned to her and in the moment she actually became a a figure of fascination for that generation of, of punk rockers because although rock stars like Mick Jagger were probably not going to get Cynthia Plastercaster to make a casting of their penis because rock stars were too fragile, but punk rockers didn't care what, you know, like it was, she can get somebody from X or something. Yeah. Like my penis is small. I don't care. It's punk. And so Starting in
0: 1988, <laughs> is that that famous quote <laughs> of, of punk rockers? <laughs> My penis
1: is small. Of <laughs> yeah, yours. I can't play the guitar, and I have a small penis. But she did casts of the Mekons and Pop Will Eat Itself, and um you know all the bands that already had penis in the name, like the Revolting cocks and the Buzzcocks, <laughs> and half of uh, all punk. Fans. The Muffs, uh Jesus Lizard. I mean, you know. One of my favorite bands of that era is the Jesus Lizard and David Yao, the singer of the Jesus Lizard was kind of always a real hero to me back before I stopped doing drugs during my drugs period. For whatever reason, David Yao's particular brand of uh, almost completely unhinged rock frontman-ness was a real inspiration to me. And he got himself plaster casted during this period and there was a uh, there was a, lo- a resurgence of excitement, but the problem was that Cynthia Plastercaster did not have possession of her plaster casts. They were at this point. Where were they? Owned by Herb Cohen, who claimed that she'd given them to him. Ah. And so there was a protracted lawsuit, uh, but Cynthia was eventually. Um, Vindicated, and all of her casts, or at least uh, 95% of her casts, were returned to her. I don't know what the fate of the other three were. Herb Cohen's, like, secretly got them in his he's closet. Got, yeah, he's got the secret one. He of claims they lost them. <laughs> I've got Noel Redding's Venus. <laughs> and then in, um, finally, in the year 2000, she started casting Rockstar Boobs. Oh, so she started doing breast casts. The idea is that
0: it's gender equity, I yeah, guess.
1: That's right. Start, you know, expand the franchise. And um, does she have like a male fluffer come in? I don't know if you. I mean, all, really, all you need is a couple of clothespins, right? Uh, the first, <laughs> the first cast she made were of the band uh, L Seven. Famous perfect. sort of, uh, you know, like yeah, the
0: right girl scene is perfect for this.
1: And really, one of you know, one of uh, one of Seattle's favorite bands, even though they're not from Seattle, but Susie Gardner of L Seven was the first to get her casts. And of course, or maybe not, of course, maybe it, it doesn't. It wasn't necessarily so, but each breast has its own serial number by her numbering system so they're oh, she, they're cast in pairs. You do, but she does cast both. The cast casts both, but each individually. Mm. So the two of them are pairs. Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs well, has a, been That's a pretty cast. big game, actually. Uh she does, you know, she she's not keeping current Cynthia Plastercaster, although she's still uh, Do you think she'll do commissions? She will. Like, for
0: for a fee? Do you think a musician is ever like, I'd like to join the the Criterion collection of of uh of rock genitals,
1: there have been some. I think Jello Biafra uh, had it done. I, I saw Momus was on the list, which you know
0: lets you know people are kind of doing it as a bit.
1: Yeah, and and I and I imagine it's um, you know the people that want to have it done are probably the last people you want to do it with, just which like, is kind of true of everything about sex. Just like a nude beach, um, but they are. Um, for a while, she had a limited edition that you could buy. Um, you could actually, I guess, buy Jimi Hendrix sent and- a chess set would be fun, right? Wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd need
0: uh, you'd need eight little Art Garfunkels to be pawns, but oh. And that concludes Cynthia Plastercaster entry 949.je4817 certificate number 30889 in the omnibus uh, i assume everyone's going to have a lot of angry things to say to us after this uh, episode
1: shocks and appals them please do, do you feel do, do you feel like we tread over into some <laughs> uh, making some claims i mean we did not gender neutralize any of the gender terms in this episode um, and because uh, I'm not 100 sure how we would have done it. in what way do you mean? Well, just saying man, woman, boy, girl, it's true. He she. It's true that you when you say
0: uh, when you say anything about the male penis, it ignores the fact that
1: there are female penises
0: Sure. There could be a, a, a trans—that's a cis thing to say. You know, a trans woman could have a penis.
1: And I think I think my only comment is that in the work of Cynthia Plastercaster, as I understand it, there is no one who's had their penis cast that identifies as other than a male rock star.
0: Well, plus this is all—all all this stuff is happening 40 or 50 years ago, so we have right. a little cover there. Right. Um, but please send all your— angry tweets to us at, at John Roderick at Ken Jennings at Omnibus Project uh, again unless we've been kicked off due to being QAnon big wigs uh, you can email us at the Omnibus Project at gmail.com or mail us if you have physical items hopefully not um, any kind of
1: do not make a plaster cast of your penis and send it to we us. We have been
0: very clear; it's a bad gift
1: idea. <laughs> I am not, I am great I'm art not conceit. to tiptoe around this
0: terrible gift idea. No, no, no. We did get. Where are they? Oh, we did get. Um, somebody said, "Look at this beautiful uh, wax seal we oh, got on beautiful. this." Are you gonna Are you gonna break the seal? I'm gonna have to if I want to read the seventh seal. I hope it's not the seventh seal. I can't. It's a wedding invitation. It's a fun little. Faux airmail envelope. Um, Andrew
1: Jackson is, no. he, is
0: he writing us about our last episode? <laughs> he's saying, Replace me on the $20 bill with Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman.
1: Please end the curse, free my soul. He just
0: says he's been enjoying the show via uh, he's been enjoying the show during the pandemic. Oh, uh, you. and he wanted to try out his new. The rubber stamp that he used to make this wax seal, and it looks pretty good. It's, it was a little smeared on the right, Andrew, so I can't really tell. But it, I, I can see you were starting to do your name before it smeared. Maybe it may have smeared after you sent it. I don't know. Um, he also made some chocolate chia seed pudding today, and he wants us to know it's pretty great. Oh, how, how nice! I mean, if you don't, if you can't have dairy, I guess chia pudding is fine. And our friend uh, Mark, who does the watercolor paintings i can't remember which episode this is but you mentioned that uh if police uniforms were pink it would solve some of the toxic masculinity problems in law enforcement and and he uh he gave us an artist's conception
1: oh isn't that nice he's there but he's not spraying uh he's not spraying gas he's spraying bubbles i can't
0: tell yeah he's got a little he's got a little bubble thing or or maybe it's air air freshener. that
1: is suitable for framing look at that isn't that beautiful
0: I can't tell which entry this is from. Deborah Sampson, apparently. Yes. Uh, thank you. He says he tries to challenge his children's expectations by wearing pink socks or buying a purple backpack. You're here, here. I mean, that only works until your kids get used to that, and then you, you have would to have challenge to challenge them further by not doing it.
1: Right. That or, would. Or, gotta, I don't know. Getting a daisy tattooed on your on keep, the tip of your nose. Guessing. I don't keep your kids guessing.
0: Lock him in the trunk of your car. that will oh. keep them guessing. Keep, keep them guessing. Six hours in the trunk. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you can uh, we love your work Mark. You can see Mark's work by looking at the uh, the video feed on our, our Patreon is where we display some of the the, the crazy kooky stuff we get in the mail. Uh, if you would like to become a Patreon donor, we would appreciate it. It helps sustain the show. You can find more information at patreon.com/omnibus project. Uh, in the meantime you can find your fellow futurelings on Facebook, on Reddit, on Discord. Just look for the word futurelings wherever fine discussion groups are sold.
1: Dear futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived, and we can't even tell whether we're rooting for it or against it. (laughs) We hope and pray that the catastrophe, and I'm talking about now specifically the catastrophe we fear, may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.